0: Well, I'll, just in case you didn't know, in 10 days, Halloween will be upon now, it's going to be kind of awkward in Waverly because on the 29th, kids are going to come around on Monday trick or treating. But then you know some are still going to go out on the 31st and maybe they're going to double dip trying to get candy. But just in case you didn't know that Halloween was coming, I felt we needed to do a little PSA, public service announcement, because you might not have noticed all the houses that are decorated and all the storefronts that are decorated and all the doctor's offices that are decorated and the Walmart aisles that are decorated trying to scare you a little bit because they have spider webs and I don't know why you decorate spider webs like I walked into my garage today and walked right into one I don't need to decorate I just have them naturally uh you know they they put tombstones out in their yard and then they they decorate with vampires and skeletons and zombies all in an attempt to scare you and to get you to buy candy well this week I stumbled onto something that scared me and it, it came from a very unlikely source it came from Jesus himself Uh, It was, I saw it in Matthew chapter seven. Jesus said this right towards the end of his famous sermon on the Mount. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness i I mean if you're really paying attention that's scarier than a ghost appearing in your bedroom because if you really hear what jesus is saying there will be people who will say i'm a christian and the day they breathe their last they're going to walk up to the gates of heaven and jesus is going to say uh sorry your, your name's not here i i don't know you you have to depart and they're going to call, but, but Jesus, I, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was 10 at camp. Jesus said, I don't know you. But, but, but Jesus, I know a lot about the Bible. I went through Awana when I was a kid. Sorry, I don't know you. But, but Jesus, I, I was really, really moral. Like, I didn't go around getting drunk. I didn't sleep around. I wore modest clothes. Like, I, I lived a really, really good life. Sorry, I don't know you. And then the kicker, did you hear it? There are going to be people who are saying, but Jesus, I did ministry in your name. I taught Sunday school. I was in the worship band. Like, like I, I cast out demons. Like, I was on the varsity. Just say, I don't know you. Depart from me. How in the world can Jesus, loving, kind, good Jesus, be so cold and cruel because if these people can't get into heaven, I mean, what's it take? Today, we're going to find out. Today, as we study 1 John, we're going to see kind of the litmus test of which Jesus uses to let us know whether we can come in or not. And we're going to discover it isn't about how much you know or, or, or you, know, uh, 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 you know, what you do. It's, it's really going to be about one thing. And that one thing is love. So as we get ready to jump into First John, would you join me in prayer? So Heavenly Father, we are about to come to your Holy Word. You wrote this long before any of us ever breathed our first breath. And these words will be here long after we breathe our last. And yet, you have brought them to us here and now. And so God, would you open our hearts and our minds to what you need to say, what you want to say, and what we need to hear. God, I pray right now for anyone who's feeling really broken. They are hurting. I pray that today they would hear just how much you love them, that you are with them, you are for them. But God, I also pray for those of us who are just feeling a bit apathetic. We know you love us, but it really isn't changing much. And that today we would hear your call to go and share your love with others. That, That it isn't to be just about us. It's ultimately about to be about you and what you have done and this love that you have for all of humanity. So God, help us to hear this today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of 1 John. If you're a first-time guest with us, uh, feel free to pull out uh, uh, your... Phone if you got a Bible on there. Um, if you do not have a Bible, don't worry. I'm going to have the scripture up on the screen for you today. But I, I encourage you stop back by our Give and Grow table. We've got some Bibles back there. We'd love to give you one of those as a gift. You could just take that and make it your everyday Bible. Or if you've got a um, smartphone and there's a Bible on it, totally feel free to pull that out. No one around here is going to accuse you of heading to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, pull out your Bible and and use it. And if you have a smartphone and you don't have a Bible on it. Download one. That way, everywhere you go with your, your phone, you've got a Bible with you. All right. Um, today, we kind of come to the heart of John's letter. We've been studying the, the book of First John for about six weeks now. We, we're going to finish it up next week. We're going to look at chapter five next week. But this week, we come to kind of the, the heart. This is the meat. John talks about love more than anything else. Like, this is what he's been working toward. And, and he, in fact, he talks about love so much, he spends half of chapter three. And half of chapter 4 on it, as well as other parts in, in 1, 2, and 5. All right? But this is kind of what it's all about. And so he just keeps repeating himself over and over and over, trying to drum it into the head and heart of his readers. If we were to attempt to try to do this whole entire thing today, verse by verse, we'd probably be here until about 230 All right, so what we're going to do is in our growth groups, we're going to study the passage out of chapter three. All right, so make sure if you're in a growth group, take your growth group guide, take that with you, and and, and don't miss it this week because you're going to study chapter three. Today, we're going to look at the section in chapter four. You've already heard Zach read it, and we're not going to even go into all of it. Today, we're just going to take a section and look at it, and, and I think that's going to help us understand the other part. So today, we're just going to do verses seven through 12 of chapter four. So join me. Chapter four starting in verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. The God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. And not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Can I be uh, honest with you? Which is really... (laughs) Which is a really silly question to ask, because how many of you are going to say, no, Aaron, I really wish you would lie. Uh, And and besides, when someone says that, you know they're going to say whatever's coming next anyway. So even if you say, no, I really prefer you keep it to yourself. So let's try that again. I have a confession to make. I have been both excited and nervous about teaching this today. Excited because we're getting to the heart of this book. Like, all the way back last January, I just was praying and and sensed— actually, it was last November— like what should we study in 2019? And, and I realized I, we haven't. i would never gone through First John, a, and so let's do that as a church family. And so a, a year ago, I was putting this on our preaching calendar, and so I was been excited to get to this. And in fact, there was one day where uh, uh, someone from our church family approached me and said, "I've been reading through First John. I think we should do that." And like this was just a couple weeks after I had said, "Hey, we're going to do First John in, in 2019." And so there's this part of me that's excited, not just to teach from first John, but to teach this today, because this is now getting to the heart. But yet there's this other part of me that's, that's not just nervous, but even a little leery and, and weary, just a little unsure because our culture talks about love ad nauseum. Like we hear about it all the time. All you have to do is go and listen to popular music. Just listen to the top 40 charts, whether you pick pop or rock, country, uh, R&B. They're talking about love nonstop. Just go watch the movies. You see what's in the, in the theaters. Just talk about love. You, you, you walk through the grocery store, and there are the magazine our, 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 you know, covers, and the, the articles that they try to get you to buy it to, to see what's inside because they're trying to help us because we're pursuing Love. And so because it's get talked about so much, I sometimes worry that we got a love callus going on in our hearts. Like, we've heard so much about this. And, and if you're a Jesus follower, and you, you come to church, you hear about the love of God all the time. It, you go to weddings, you hear about love. You read the love chapter. Many of you could recite it to me. We know so much about love. So what could I possibly say today that's going to be new and eye-opening and life-changing? And yet, I know that if you really understand this today, this has the potential to revolutionize your life. Like if you apply what John teaches, it, it, it could change your marriage. It could change the way you parent. It could change some relationships at work or at school. It could change the way you interact with that one really difficult neighbor or that extended family member. Like this has the potential to radically change your life. And so that's what gets me excited. And, and yet you have probably heard all of this already. Well, a couple thoughts came to me as I was wondering, why am I nervous? Why, Why am I hesitant to teach about this today? Well, first of all, John doesn't seem nervous about it. He seems actually excited. I mean, he spends half of chapter three and half of chapter four saying the same thing over and over and over. He wants us to get this. So maybe if he's excited, maybe I should get excited. But then another thought hit me. That just because our culture talks about this ad nauseum, It doesn't mean we're necessarily getting it right. Uh, This past week, I ran into a friend I hadn't seen for several weeks. And so we were just catching up a little bit. And in the course of the conversation, I just happened to mention that my son Zion had just played uh, at his solo fest. She asked what instrument he played. And I said, baritone. And she says, my son also plays the baritone. And then she begins to tell me a story that kind of made her look bad. She said that her son, he's a, he's a grade younger than, than Zion, and he, he uh, comes home and says, Mom, I'm going to go out for band. And she says, oh, sweetie, that's great. And she's thinking, well, that'll be impressive because she said she and her husband have no musical talent at all. So she wondered what his chances really were. Well, he decided, you know, I'm going to go out for band. She says, well, what instrument are you going to play? And he says, I'm going to play the baritone. And she goes, oh, sweetie, that's cute, but there's no such instrument. <laughs> he says, yeah, 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 there is, Mom. She goes, no, no, sweetie, no. Baritone is a vocal range, like soprano alto baritone. It's probably called something else you'll learn. That's so cute and adorable, though. And sure enough, she had to eat her words and apologize for telling him that he was wrong when he was clearly right. She thought she knew what a baritone was, and clearly she didn't fully understand. I think that's how we are with love. We think we know what love is, Because I mean, we're around people. They talk about how much they love the Iowa Hawkeyes or they love their new shoes or they love their new phone or they love tacos. Like this is what we talk about all the time. And yet maybe we don't fully understand what love truly is. And so I think it's worth us taking 30 minutes of time to talk about something we've already heard so much about. And we feel like maybe we already know everything there is to know on it. Because maybe God just needs to help us see it in a little different, fresh way. So today, we're going to see three things about what love truly is. The first is this, that true love is from God. True love is from God. Look at verse 7 with me. First part of it there, John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, when he wrote his letter that we know by his name, the book of James, in chapter 1, verse 17, he says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of lights, and so it shouldn't surprise us that love would come from God. Because most of us would say that love is good. And so he says it's from God. But not, not just that it's from God. He goes on to say that love is defined by God. Look at verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Like it's just his being. It's just who he is. But notice he did not say that love is god i I think that's what our culture believes like we worship love just go and listen to the top 40 and you'll hear all these songs that sound like it's about devotion to one specific person but we all know how it goes things don't work out you break up you get divorced it ends and you just go looking for it for someone else we're chasing after this feeling and we're willing to sacrifice whatever we need to to get this in order in other words we treat love like it's a god that's not what john says no god is to be your god and who that true god is is true love let's take a moment to just talk about a little bit of christian theology let's go and look at who god is we know from the scriptures that god is a triune god some people call it the trinity there's one god but that one god is found in three persons the father the son and the holy spirit God has always existed. He is not confined to time. He started time. One day time will end. And yet God will just be. That's why when God appears to um, Moses in the burning bush, and he's like, well, what's your name? He says, I am, God, God just is. And who he is, is love because the father deeply loves the son and the spirit. The son is completely devoted to the father and to the spirit. The spirit is completely dedicated to the father and son. They have lived in perfect love. And so if anyone tells you, well, the reason that God made humans was that he needed the, no, no, no. God was in perfect relationship. He didn't need us a bit. He wasn't lacking anything. It's just that out of that love, he couldn't help but to create us because that love that he had for himself It just pours out naturally into his creation. So God is love. He defines it. And so that means that true love comes from God. But that leads into the next thing. The second thing we see about true love is that true love is for us. True love is for us. Look at verses nine and 10. In this... The love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Those two verses are packed. They, they are theologically rich. So let's just take a moment to kind of break it down and see what John is saying. The first phrase he says there is that in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. The word manifest means to reveal, to make known, kind of something that you, you hadn't really seen. You weren't sure, totally aware of it. It gets unveiled and now you know it, you understand it because you see it. But notice it doesn't say it was made manifest to us. It wasn't like just some museum piece that they, you know, pull the, the cover off and everyone goes, ooh, wow, takes a look at it and walks away. No, it was manifested among us. It's right there with us. And, and what was that? What is this love that was manifested among us? Next phrase. That God sent his only son into the world. Christmas. Christmas reveals the manifested love of Jesus. I mean, of God. That, that Jesus, God the son, would come down to, to, to be, spend nine months inside of a, a virgin and come out, be birthed and placed into a manger. Like that was a sign of God's love. That God himself would come down for us. The love of God was made manifest among us. But it wasn't just that, you know, like the museum piece again. It wasn't like you just pull off the cover and go, wow, look, a baby. There it is. And we walk away. It, it was for a purpose. Now purpose is this. So that we might live through him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes that we are spiritually Dead. When Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis eat of the forbidden fruit, they died spiritually. The image of God within them became broken and cracked, and and it damaged the relationship between God and humans. They became spiritually dead. And so every human, since Adam and Eve committed that sin, has been born into spiritual death. They're physically alive, but spiritually dead. And so the purpose of Jesus, the purpose of Christmas, was eventually to make it so that we could live through him. That we could become spiritually alive. That's why John talks about in John chapter 3 that Jesus, in talking with Nicodemus, says that someone is to be born again. They're born of water. They're they're born out of their mother. But they're also to be born of spirit. They're to be spiritually made alive. That's why Jesus came. But how does that happen? That's what uh, begins in the next part, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Over there in verse 19, maybe you heard it when uh, Zach was reading. Verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. That's where so many religions seem to be off. Is that they act as if we've got to get our act together. We've got to do all these good things, put all these things in order, and then the gods will love us. But not with Christianity. Christianity says, no, God loved you. Despite your sin, despite your mess, despite everything that you've done wrong, God loved you because he put his image in you. And so because his image is in you, it's like you're branded and God says, this one's mine. And so he loves you because he created you. And so it's nothing that you could do. It's nothing that you could wear. It's not how much, you know, he just loves you because you are you, you are his creation. Some of you, you need to hear that today because you are feeling unloved. You are feeling rejected. You feel alone. And you need to hear today that the true love of God is for you. He loves you passionately. He loves you lavishly. And if you need evidence of that, you just need to look at the next phrase. Jesus, he was sent. God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you were with us in week two of the series, we saw that word. It's back in chapter two, verse two of this letter. The word propitiation is a big, fancy seminary word that simply means to appease the wrath of a God. Now, you may pause and think, whoa, like God has wrath against me? No. Remember, we just saw that God first loved us. His wrath is not against us. His wrath is against sin. Because God created humanity, put his image into humans, and yet sin came and distorted that image. And so God's wrath is against sin, which came in and ruined the creative order. And so God is passionately seeking to heal, to redeem, to fix it. But justice needed to be done. And so the way to appease God's wrath against sin was for the penalty to be paid. No, the penalty was death. So Jesus came to die it for us. He took the penalty upon himself so that we could be forgiven, we could be made free, and we could understand the love of God for us. True love, it isn't just from God. True love is for you. True love is for us. But true love is not to be like a bucket, that we just collect it and we keep it to ourselves. Instead, this is our third point. True love should come through us. True love should come through us. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So often we want to receive love. We crave it. We long for it. But John is saying it's not to stop there. It's actually supposed to flow through you. Rather than be a bucket, you're to be a conduit. Instead of being a basket, you're to be a funnel. That that as God pours his love into you, it flows out of you. And it impacts and affects others. Here's what this should look like. If if your Bible's open there, skip back to chapter 3, verse 16. John writes, By this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. So he's talking about that propitiation for our sins, Jesus dying on the cross. So he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. In other words, we are to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. We are to be Jesus. But if you really think about it, that is so hard. This is why Paul writes to husbands in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, how did Jesus show his love for the church? He laid down his life. He died to self. So husbands are to die to themselves for the sake of their wife. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a church where there's some arguments going on. And he says, consider the needs of others as being more important than your own. Like, consider them first. It's not thinking low of yourself. It's just thinking of less of yourself. Think of them. Notice them. Give them your attention. Love. So here's what this might look like for you. It might mean, instead of saving up that money to use to buy the 85-inch TV, just remain content with the 65-inch you already have. Because God might need to use that money to help someone who's sitting right here right now who's going to lose their job and they're going to find themselves in a really tough time. It it might mean you don't write that Facebook comment. Like, you know, you're right. And yet if you post that, it's not going to show someone else love. It, It might mean something silly, like just giving up dessert to, for your spouse to have it. There's only one piece left. And so you sacrifice it for them, but it could be a lot bigger. It could mean you sacrifice your car to let someone else drive it because their car's in the shop, and so you let them use it. It, it might mean you have to give up your time. Like someone has to go to Rochester, and so you, you, go, you drive them up to Mayo Clinic, giving up your time when you could be doing, you know, your own house chores. It, it, it could mean giving up simple things. It could mean I'm giving everything. Many of you in our church family, you know Terry and Jackie Ransom. Uh, Terry and Jackie are not here today, but if you don't know them, you need to change that. You don't realize that Terry is praying for you. Many months ago, Terry asked me for a a list of people in the Riverwood family, and he just keeps working through the list, praying. And as he meets you guys and finds out your stories, he just adds it, and he just keeps praying for you by name. Well, I don't want to just tell you about Terry and Jackie. I want to tell you about their kids. They've got four adult children, a couple of them are married, and one of them is a son named James. And James and his wife, Cammie, live overseas with their three children. You see, James and Cammie understand the gospel, and they realize that Jesus came and laid down his life for them, and so they've been willing to lay down their life and give certain things up, like being near Jackie and Terry, who are awesome parents, giving up The the comfort of America to live in a strange culture. To give up being able to just do everyday life speaking in English. To go and learn a very, very difficult language. For their safety, I'm not going to tell you what nation they are in. But that nation is actively working to try to shut down any Christian church. They they do not believe there is a God. They believe that this is, is doing evil within their culture. And yet, despite the risks, despite the discomfort... James and Cammie are willing to give it all up to show love to people. Now, God may not be calling you to head overseas. Maybe he is. Maybe he's going to. Maybe for some of you, it's it's one day gonna be willing to leave your, your community and your home to go help plant a church somewhere else, whether that be in Iowa or somewhere else around the U.S. or the world. But maybe for you, To show the love of Christ is just simply to change how you interact at work. It's to change how you interact with your classmates at school. It's to change the way you do marriage. It's to change maybe the way you've been parenting. It's to change the way you spend and use your time. It might mean you're going to need to give something up so that someone else can see the love of God. I don't know what that is for you. But I have a feeling there's something. There's something that God is saying, I want you to give this up. Because I'm going to just pour my love into you so that it will flow through you. God wants to use you. He did not, Jesus did not go to die on the cross just simply so you could take all of that love and keep it for yourself. He died on the cross to change your life. So that you could go and tell other people so that he can change their life. What is it you need to give up? Because if you're willing to give it up, something can happen. And that's verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Think about what John just said. No one has ever seen God. God is spirit, right? You're not going to be able to go out and just like tangibly touch God. God is spirit. And even if we could see God, he is so glorious. He is so perfect. I mean, it would just kill us in an instant. It would just, I mean, we would just dissipate. We'd be gone. But notice what he says. If we love one another, God abides in us. Do you know how people see God? Is when you love. When you love other people, that's when people now understand the gospel. Because it's one thing to hear about it theologically. It's another thing to see it being actually lived out. And I think the reason John says to love one another is because if you can do it right here, you will do it so well out there. I've been preaching to my kids for years that the reason God put you in a family is so you could practice. Because if you can love within a family you will do amazing out there. Like, if you can show respect to your brother or sister, if you can be kind to your parents, like, if you can do that in the hardest of moments, you are going to shine out there. Because we all seem to treat each other like crap within a family, but we'll look awesome when we go walking outside the house. If we could do it here, do you realize what it's going to do out there? This world needs to see Jesus. And John is saying the way they're going to see it is through you. The way they're going to see it through you is if you love. So let's practice. We're a church family. Let's just continue doing what we've been doing. Let us love one another. Let's honor one another. Let's give grace to one another. Let's serve one another and help one another. Come alongside one another and pray with one another and listen and laugh and cry together. Because if we can do it here, we are going to be amazing in the break room. We are going to change the classroom. We will see a difference in our living room. We will see God use us in amazing ways wherever we go. And when you love like that, you don't have to worry about whether you do enough or know enough to get into heaven. Because you're already doing the will of God. Because God has shown his love to you. And all you do is just simply share that with others. Now, many of you are feeling convicted in the heart. You're sensing, God, I want to do this. I want to live this way. So you, you, you've got this sense of conviction as you walk out that door. But then you're going to get on Facebook. Then you're going to have to interact with that certain aunt or uncle. Then you're going to have to interact with that certain person at work or, or at school. And you're going to kind of forget about today. Because you're going to want to slip back into the same feelings, same emotions, the same patterns, the same treatment. So I need to remind you one more thing. When you walk out the door today, you are not walking out on this Jesus mission alone. Because right now there are other people sitting around you who are also feeling the same thing you were feeling. And they want to go and they want to make a difference in this world. And sometimes that's the help you need because it's the reminder you're not in this alone. Because if you feel alone, you're gonna feel like I don't think I can do this. But when you realize I've got brothers and sisters in Christ, that they love me, they're for me, they will support me, so I can go and I can love this difficult person. I can be Jesus to them. I can give up myself and and die to myself so that they might understand the love of God. So when you walk out today, know you are not alone. Because I'm with you, and many other people within this church family are with you. But remember one other thing. God is with you true love of God is for you? Is so would you accept it and let it come through you? Knowing that wherever you go, Jesus is with you. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now that for those of us who are feeling this conviction, we're, we're sensing this call to go and make this difference. That you will give us the strength to do so. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way in us that you, you would do in us what you want to so you can do through us what you need to. God, would you help us first to just accept your love? I pray right now for anyone who's, who's struggling to forgive themselves for the things that they've said, the things that they've done, the, 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 the things that are in their past. And I pray right now that they would just allow you to take that from them, that they would realize that they are forgiven and they are set free. Because if they are hindered by their sin, they cannot go and love instead you're calling them to know you to love you and part of loving you is to love ourselves to realize that you see great value and worth in us and so therefore we can stop beating ourselves up and we can love ourselves but then god you do not ask us to just take this love and to keep it you ask us to share it to live it that just as love defines you that love would define us and so god would you make us this type of people, that we would love one another as a church family well, that we would love our spouses for those of us that are married, that we'd love our kids for those of us who are parents, that we'd love our parents for those of us who have them still, that we would be marked by love because we are marked by your gospel. And so Jesus, right now, we come to this communion table to say thank you. You died for us. You were the propitiation for our sins. The wrath of God against sin has been appeased and we are forgiven. We are free. And as we come, may we be reminded that it was your love that sent you to that cross, that you did this for us. And we can therefore trust you all of the days of our life because your love never fades, it never ends, it will never go away. And so as your love comes to us, May it come through us and propel us onto this Jesus mission to touch the lives of a broken, hurting, and dying world that needs your image restored within them. So God, now, would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you work in us for your glory and for our joy? May we do this now in remembrance of you.